for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, hello. It's always wonderful to be here. A big welcome to the show, Cheryl Shaw and Dr. Kimberly Earle. Oh, hang on. There we go. Hello. Sometimes I forget it's not just about me. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely to have you both on the show. We're going to go to Helen right now. Helen, you're in Bonnells Bay. What's your question for Dr. Kimberly Earle? Okay. Is it it all right to give dogs peanut butter in biscuits? My daughter-in-law has bought biscuits from a pet shop up East Maitland Way Mm -hmm. and they contain peanut butter. Okay, so the the biscuits themselves have peanut butter in them as a flavorant? Yes. Yeah, no, there's no problem with that. Um, we don't seem to see um, nut allergies in our dogs the way we do in, in a lot of our humans. I actually use peanut butter for tableting my dog. I actually, when I need to yes, tablet her, I give her too. a scoop. And so I think that the issue is going to be as long as, um, A, the dog likes the food, uh, B, that the calorie level of the food, because peanut butter is um, fairly oily and can have fairly, yes. you know, lots of calories. So uh, we wouldn't potentially want to be feeding it to a fat dog or at least if we are, then we need to sort of watch uh, what our portion sizes are like. Uh, and I think also making sure that the dog does well on that food. But I wouldn't see um, a particular problem with it. Peanut butter is used in a lot of uh, treats uh, for dogs and things in Canada and North America um, that are allergic to different meat proteins because it is pretty well tolerated. So I don't think there's a major issue with that at all. Yes. Our body's okay. allergic to chicken. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Yes. So a lot of dogs have chicken allergies, but peanut butter is usually pretty um, pretty okay for them. Yes. Okay. My neighbour got a recipe off Google or off the computer, mm-hmm. and I know there were two eggs uh, and about two tablespoons of smooth peanut butter mm-hmm. plus the flour, etc. And that's yes, for a so treat, is it, or...? To make a treat. Oh, they're biscuits. Yes, yeah. you give them to them as a treat. Yeah, as a treat. Yeah, that's fine. No worries. Thank, Thank you, you for your call. 49216216. We're going to go to Jody now in Woodbury. What's your question for Dr. Kimberly Earl? Yeah, I have a, a cockatiel. Mm-hmm. And she's just laid eggs. Oh, yes. She's laid two. Okay. And um, uh, she seems to be weeing a lot. A hell of a lot. Yeah, okay. So um, cockatiels and chronic egg laying is common, uh, but we would consider it a problem and we would usually recommend that you go and see a vet who's familiar with um, with birds and avian problems because uh, yeah. they can get lots of issues uh, related to, to the egg laying, so egg binding, calcium deficiency, uh, those sorts of things. Um, increased urine production is not uncommon. Quite often in a reproductively active female, they'll just retain a lot of their body um, fluids and feces and instead of uh, defecating frequently throughout the, the day, they'll sometimes hold it into bigger um, piles. And it's sometimes to do with what cycle their egg is, where the egg is located in the tract. So yeah. that's not uncommon. Um, but certainly we can, we can. there are things we can do, let's say, to help stop that. We would consider it um, a, a problem, I guess, from a standpoint of it can cause lots of issues for the bird. So if it's maybe only her first couple eggs, you might uh, 
um, give her an opportunity to settle down, but it's the right time of year for it. Um, yeah. And chances are this is the signs of the way things are going to be. And, and cockatiels can become very prolific egg layers. It's not uncommon for them to lay eight to ten eggs uh, at a sitting or, or, you know, over the course of a few weeks. And that's really, really hard on their body. So um, I'm, I'm assuming she's not in with a male. You're not looking to breed her, that she's just no, a female. No, I'm not looking to breed her. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, maybe seek the advice of a, a vet. It's a bit of a complex issue and there's lots of things that we can do uh, to try to settle the problem down or settle the issue down. Um, uh, probably the urine is just the fact that her, her cycle is changing or her, her body functions are changing a little bit because it's, of the eggs. Does it sound like it's anything serious? Um, with the urination, it can be, but often it's not if she's egg-laying. If she wasn't egg-laying, it would certainly be problematic. Um, the fact that she's egg-laying, it means it's potentially a, a lower risk of that being a problem. But the egg-laying itself is something that I'd recommend you have a, have a discussion with a vet about. All right, thanks. Okay. Thank you very, Thank you, very much. Thank you, Jodie. 49216216 if you've got any questions today. Uh, now, Cheryl Shaw, can we count those eggs in our, uh, uh, yeah, in the national bird count? You cannot count those oh. eggs. Is that counting your chickens before they hatch? Absolutely. Damn, I've never got that quite right. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you're saying it is going all week, the national bird count. That's right. BirdLife Australia, they're, they're a non-for-profit organisation. Um, they're all about... Um, the conservation of birds and seeing how birds can cohabit with humans. So it's not just about going into your backyard to count um, your birds. You can also go to your local school, to, you know, by the ocean, via the lake, um, your church ground, anywhere, open space. Here at the uni, fantastic on yeah. campus. We've got so many birds here. But what they ask you to do is to go out for 20 minutes. Now, it's only 20 minutes. You need to time this. Okay. And count all of the birds you see, or sometimes you might not see them, but you may hear them. But you need to be able to identify the bird. Oh, that's <laughs> going to rule me out. You just have to get the app on your phone. That's right. Magpie minor bird, done. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's, it's, it, it is very important to do this if you've got time. I know our own um, Dr. Robert Stable, who did it last mm. year, and he thoroughly enjoyed doing taking part in the bird count. So you, I'm really interested in this. So you yeah. can get an app on your phone that helps you identify the bird. Is that correct? There's, there's a number of apps that you can get on, on standard smartphones these days that will help you identify okay. the bird based on how it looks or how how it sounds okay yeah. So, yeah. the free app for this one that you can actually download as part of um of doing this is the aussie bird count app and it's got about 400 mm. um, different birds on there but like you said there are lots of other bird yeah, apps that you can get and you can look because sometimes you know a bird at a different stage in its life can look very different than mm. its parent bird yes so you need to make sure about what you are recording so cheryl if we just hear the bird mm -hmm. you're saying as long as we can identify it's a magpie call yeah, etc we can count that that's right so you're going to count the birds for 20 minutes you're going to record what you see or what you hear and this will all become part of the data that they then go on and look at and um, because it's done every spring we've got a lot of migrating birds at this time of the year a lot of babies and it gives them a little bit of a insight into what's ha actually happening not just in our backyard but you know out on the fields and the ovals and that's really interesting mm. i would be scared though that i'd be counting the same birds more than once yeah well look if you know if magpie fly over to 
from your neighbours into your yard and then flies back and then comes back over. That's only one magpie, Sarah. Okay. All right, okay. Okay, I think this will be fun to do. I think so. I'm going to partake. So it's on from Monday, one week, so you can go as many times as you like somewhere and do this, you know, just in your backyard having a cup of coffee. You can just, you know, sort of sit out there and see what's there. And you probably will be surprised just how many birds do visit your own backyard. Mm. Oh. I've got lots near my house. Do you? Yeah, I've got lots of different ones. It's really interesting. Are you going to do it, Kimberly? I should. I have I have thought about it in the past. You'd I've be good at it. done that, never get around to it sort of thing. But I should. Maybe I'll make an effort this year. I wish you could go off how many poos you've got in your backyard. <laughs> because I tell you what, I'm sick of cleaning that off the deck. And the mulberries yeah. in the poo at the moment as yeah. well. Yes. The birds are really having yeah. a feast on yeah. the mulberries. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So if you've got yeah. a spare 20 minutes and then mm. we send it in, obviously. Yep. 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 <laughs> so you can just go online and, and, you know, go online and have a look what, what information they want and then you'll be familiar with it and then you can go out have your cuppa watch the birds for 20 minutes and then send all of that information in gee i'll have to go stay at my parents in nelson bay they're they're up amongst the trees <laughs> you'd mm. be you'd be getting into the double figures yeah. for sure triple figures well i know they'd appreciate all of that feedback it really is important to see just how much wildlife is living with us um you know and adapting to the way we live uh excellent now we've got janine from edgeworth mm. have you got a question for dr kimberly earl today janine yes i have what can i help you with um, we have a rescued seven-year-old Shih Tzu cross Maltese mm-hmm. who we believe from the carer has been abused okay. or ignored. I'm not sure if abused is the correct term, but ignored. Okay. Anyway, he is weeing and pooing in our house. Okay, yep. And he's an otherwise healthy dog as far as you can yes, tell? Yes, I have, I have taken him to our vet and had him checked out and Good. he is perfect. But um, we have actually never house trained a dog before. Okay. So yeah, I think we're doing the wrong thing here. Okay, so what I would do is start from scratch, treat him like a puppy, okay, which means puppies have no house privileges, okay? no unsupervised time in the house. So the first thing you want to do is get yourself a crate, some sort of a, a dog kennel, a crate. There's lots of different options. You can go online and find them. You want it to be big enough that he can stand up, turn around, lie down comfortably, but not big enough that you could fit two of him in there, okay? That's too big. He needs to be in a space small enough that he feels like he can't stay clean clean if he were to void in that crate okay so this is what we do with puppies really commonly is that we need to teach them we need to give them a reason to hang on to their body functions and dogs do inherently want to be clean and so if we give them a bed that's a space that's just small enough that he doesn't feel like if i go to the other end of the crate i can toilet and still sleep over here comfortably that will give him a reason to hang on to his bodily functions so that's step one get yourself an appropriately sized crate Step two is he doesn't get any unsupervised time out of the crate, okay? If he's in the house, you either need to be watching him directly or he goes back in the crate because we don't want him to be making mistakes. For him, they're accidents. He's not doing it on purpose. He's just never been taught. But we don't want to allow him to practice um, the bad behavior or the inappropriate behavior. So he sleeps in the crate. He doesn't need water in the crate. It's not super hot yet. He shouldn't need to have water in the crate overnight. In the morning when you get him up, um, ideally you do it relatively relatively early so he's not busting um get him up in the morning take him outside to the toilet stay with him give him a command word you and the family need to decide on on something to tell him go to the toilet do your business something like that everybody uses the same word you stand outside with him and you give him that command over and over and over again until he does it and then lots of praise good boy good toilet excellent then he can come back in, he can have some breakfast, straight back out again because eating is going to uh, encourage the body to start to have another, usually a bowel motion after they've had breakfast, okay? Depending on what your day is like, he's either outside 
um, playing, doing whatever, or if he's inside, if you're directly supervising him, he gets to be out of the crate. If he's not being directly supervised, he's in the crate, okay? And you can put toys in there for sure, but I wouldn't put water in um, and I wouldn't put food in. Now, an adult dog, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to hold his bladder for 12 hours, okay? So we don't necessarily mm -hmm. want him to be in the crate every day for 12 hours, but there's no reason he can't, which means that if you do have to go to work, as long as he's had the opportunity to go out and empty himself before work, if you have to go to work for eight hours and come home, as soon as you come home, you let him back out, he should be able to get through that 12-hour period of time without soiling himself, okay? So we just need to work on um, teaching him, giving him a reason, and when you're doing that, you're also teaching him where the appropriate spot is. By taking him outside and being outside with him, you're teaching him the appropriate spot. We do want him to toilet. Um, and it's it's really about building habits and, and repetition for him, okay? So I'd get him out to the toilet um, around sort of ideally 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, then put him in his crate, lock him up in there for the night. Um, in the morning, get him up, take him out to the toilet. And ideally feeding meals because that's always going to give you a better predictor of when they have to go to the toilet. So free feeding food is not what I'd usually recommend anyway. Two meals a day, that's usually going to give you a... Um, some better control of, of when, you know, at least his bowel motions happen. And just be persistent. Take a bit of time. You can always call a vet hospital and speak to one of their nurses. Usually the, the ladies who are doing puppy preschool are pretty knowledgeable. But going to Ken now, who's been waiting patiently. Thank you, Ken, in Battery Bay. How can uh, Dr. Kimberly Earl assist you? Uh, yeah, I've got a young pupper, Cavoodle, mm -hmm. and um, I've been buying supermarket mints and adding veggies to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering whether the mints is better off giving it to him raw or... Uh, cooked in the cook for a little while, sort of thing. Right. Okay. How old is your pup? It's five months old now. Five I've been, months. Yeah. I've been heating it up for about twenty seconds in the microwave, and okay. then just adding the veggies, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you feed your dog any um, any biscuit food, any kibble food as well, or I just the meat? Uh, yeah. Advanced uh, rehydrated yeah. puppy food. Oh yes. So okay. So it's fed twice a day, sort of right. thing. Right. Okay. So that yeah, that food yeah. is that particular food is meant for quite young puppies. You probably want to look at an actual, um, you know, dry puppy food. Um, yeah. Because your pup should have pretty well or be getting all of his adult teeth in, things like that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I usually recommend is that when we have growing puppies, it's really quite important that we are feeding the majority of a food as a really balanced food. Um, and what you're doing, unfortunately, is actually with all that meat and vegetables, you're actually unbalancing the foods from the way that the processed foods... I know people have an issue with processed foods because they think they're boring and things like that. Yeah, um, but they're actually like the, well yeah. balanced. And yeah, so when you're yeah. feeding a lot of meat and vegetables, you're actually unbalancing that food. And that actually leaves your puppy open to some um, potential problems, nutritional issues, growth issues, things like that. So my preference is for puppies to always be eating about 80% of a good quality um, processed food or a good quality, you know, sort of commercial food because a lot of work and research have, have gone into making sure that they are well balanced in terms of nutrients and things. Right, right. Um, from a standpoint of, of raw versus cooked meat, certainly there is some evidence that um, raw food fed to dogs can cause problems, more so in the humans, though, than in the dogs right, themselves. Right. So if your right. puppy is tolerating it, I find that a lot of puppies won't tolerate raw food. It's too hard on their tummy. They don't grow well. They have diarrhea. Right. They vomit, yep. those sorts of things. I if your yeah. puppy's tolerating it, then that's probably okay. Um, but there is certainly some evidence that um, household that have dogs that are fed raw food diets have an increased risk of things like salmonella poisoning, things like that. Not so much in the dogs because they can tend to um, handle that bacteria going through their system, but in the humans as well. So my preference is for cooked if you're going to do um, yep. if you're going to do it you sort of on your own. What about um, if it's mixed like the, what do I mix up and half uh, like 
commercial commercial tinned food and half raw meat and oh, not raw but the cooked meat. Yeah, mince, cooked meat. So mix them together or not? Yeah, again, I mean, it comes down to dilution. You know, so the, the, yeah. the commercial foods really are quite well balanced. And if you're doing 50-50, you, you probably aren't going to have really significant issues. And in a cavoodle, it's not a, um, probably a disaster. In a large breed dog, I think mixing, um, mixing food or diluting it out can be really, really problematic for some of our right. bone joint issues that we have. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like I said, 80% is my, is my goal, you know, to try to be feeding yeah. a minimum of 80% if you oh, can right. do it. So, yep. Um, yep. and the other thing is that um, I'm anti-bone. So raw feeding food and things like that is fine or, or you know, yep. feeding yep. meat. Um, but anti-bone these days, I think there's just no safe, no such thing as a safe, 100% nah, safe no. bone. It's not worth okay. a risk. Okay? okay? Okay, thanks very much for that. No worries. Uh, okay, thank you. Welcome, Anthony from Morissette. Now, you've got a comment about dog food. Yeah, just about uh, bone. I mm. feed my dog's. 50% bone. Mm-hmm. I understand about uh, salmonella with the raw meat because yep. I feed them uh, chicken. They eat chicken wings and chicken legs yep. and they have kibble as well. But that's all they eat. They're still always healthy. They're very healthy dogs I've, because I was always led to believe that that dog's diet should be 50% bone. Mm, yeah, so listen. That's why I've always fed them chicken. Yeah, I mean, for some dogs it works and some people never have problems. Um, in my clinical practice, we uh, have at least probably two to three patients a year die from being fed bones that were supposedly safe bones. We see loads and loads of dogs who have fractured teeth. They get bones caught in the esophagus, caught in the stomach, caught through the colon, and they get constipation yep. issues. From my standpoint, it's not worth the risk. There are certainly people who have done it for years and years and, um, and don't have problems, but um, my recommendation, our practice recommendation now is no bones. We just don't think yeah, it's safe. I don't, I don't feed them any beef bones at all. It's only chicken, but... Um and they're large dogs, so I wouldn't feed small dogs bones. Yeah. They just haven't got that jaw power, but my dogs chew the meat up really well and the bone up really well, and so far I've been lucky, you know. Good. Glad to hear it. All right. Thanks for your call, yeah, Anthony. So, but but is, is that true that dogs' diet should consist of bone, like, Oh my, no! I've never, never, none of my dogs have ever had bones. I don't ever feed a dog my dog's bones. So okay. I think this day and age, I mean, you have to remember that none of our none of our dogs that we have as pets are are wild dogs. Um, there are yeah. some things that we carry across, you know, from wild dogs to our pet dogs, and other things we don't. And in this day and age, yeah. um, you know, they they don't need it. So they like it. I absolutely agree. They like it, but they don't need it. If yeah. you're using a good quality. Yeah. So it's not good for their teeth and all that sort of thing? No, there's not really any good evidence. If you look okay. at wild dogs, they have they have um, often very poor dental hygiene. So there's no evidence to okay. that. Yeah. yeah. We, okay. we take more teeth out of dogs that have been chewing bones than, um, than we would say that have had good teeth because they've been bone, you know, having bones. So. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the question, though, Anthony, because I'm sure a lot of people are in the <laughs> same boat as you. 49216216 is our number today. We're going to have a quick break, and then when we come back, we're looking at obesity in our pets. Yeah, we have an obesity epidemic in our pets as well as in our people. Whoa. All right. Well, is it true true that um, I've heard this thing that if owners are slightly overweight, it's, you know, common that the pets will be as well. Is that a thing? It is. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not only, but it's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know whether it's related. But, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, now, Cheryl Shaw, you were talking before about the national bird count that is happening this week. Yes. We've just had someone uh, text in and ask if you'd be able to let us know the phone number and website again for that, please. I don't have the phone number, but I have the website available. It's Aussie Backyard Bird Count. And um, it's actually the BirdLife Australia. They're a non-for-profit 
um, bird conservation organisation. So you can go on there and have a look. Beautiful. And sorry, the website was Aussie Bird Count, was it? That's right. Aussie, Aussie Backyard Bird Count. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. Now, Dr. Kimberley, one for you. Now, we've had a truck driver that has rung in. He's had a bad line, so he's asked his question and he's listening for the answer. <laughs> now, this one has cracked me up a little bit. He gets dead kangaroos from the side of the road. Well, I guess he's seeing a lot mm-hmm. uh, while he's driving. <laughs> he removes the hind legs and tail and feeds them to his dogs. Well, it's economical, but he wants to know, is that okay? Yeah, listen, it, it comes down a little bit again to um, having a balanced diet. It, it sort of depends on how often this is happening. If it's if this is the staple of their diet, then they will have a deficient um, diet. That that won't be sufficient. If it's something he does on a I mean, weekly or every couple of weeks sort of basis... As then, a treat. As a treat. Probably not um, a major drama. Though, again, we have to think about how long has that meat been there. So um, we certainly, although I was just talking about dogs tolerating salmonella more than, um, than humans do, we still certainly can see food poisoning type signs in dogs um, from a standpoint of having the meat there too old. Um, parasites, maggots, worms, those sorts of things. Um, and some dogs just won't tolerate it. But if his dogs are tolerating it, um, hopefully he's worming uh, routinely every three months as a minimum. Um, and hopefully, you know, again, his family, the humans in the house may be at risk of salmonella um, or other bacterial problems. But if it's working out for them and it's not being fed as a, as a main portion of their diet, then it's probably not a disaster. It's not how I'd choose to do it, but, you know, that's, that's just hey, me. Uh, dedication. Yeah for getting out and, and actually cutting these legs off these dead kangaroos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is it. dedication. Uh, 49216216 and just that website again, it is aussiebirdcount.org.au for anyone that wants to get involved in the national bird count this week and 740,000 birds have been counted thus far. Wow. You can actually check it out. It's very cool. It goes up. It's like, you know, it's how many good. sleeps till Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. All right, we're going to go to Jeff now from Wanji Wanji. You've got a question about using bones for teeth cleaning. Hi Jeff. Yeah, hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Um, I just wanted to clarify, uh, we just got into the car recently and caught the tail end of the conversation about yeah. uh, pulling out teeth that dogs have been chewing on bones. We've yeah. always been told by our vet yeah. uh, to aid in cleaning the teeth of our small dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, raw, raw chicken wings is the way to go. Yeah, listen, it, it's a really, it is a controversial topic in Australia. It is a very culturally Australian thing for people to feed chicken necks, chicken wings, and even to have vets recommending that. Um, nowhere else that I'm aware of in the world, certainly if I was recommending that in Canada, I'd be up for a malpractice suit. Um, it just doesn't happen in other places. So, um, you know, I see lots of dogs that get chicken wings and chicken necks and things like that on a regular basis that have terrible teeth. Uh, I see lots yeah. of dogs that don't get that, that have good teeth. But I also see lots of dogs that don't get those things that have terrible teeth as well. We need to remember that um, dogs, when they're chewing, they're just chewing with the teeth at the back of the mouth. And often where we have little dogs with major problems are in the front teeth and their canine teeth, which are the fang teeth, that they don't use yeah. those for chewing at all. So um, our recommendation, uh, my practice recommendation, is we don't recommend feeding bones uh, for, for any reason. And certainly I don't feel that it's... Um, that useful from a teeth cleaning perspective. I absolutely agree. There are still vets in Australia who recommend it, um, but I think it is it is something that we need to be cautious of these days. And and we definitely do see problems um, in some dogs when they've been getting chicken necks, chicken wings, um, unrelated to the teeth. That I feel like that is still a potentially risky pr- practice. Okay. Uh, okay. So is there 
can you give a recommendation of uh, what we can do? To sure. Keep yeah, listen, absolutely. Lots of things. So um, brushing your dog's teeth with a pet-friendly toothpaste is really, really good and important. Lots of dogs like it and will tolerate that. There are a yeah. number of um, dental prescription dental diets that can be used. There are things like in-water additives. Um, there are some that are better than others, but um, there are some of those that, that can be quite good. Um, there are some dental chews. Uh, um, I'm not supposed to say brand names, but different different dental chews. Um, they, are again, are not so much problematic, but I think if you've got a dog that only chews on the right-hand side of the mouth, you're probably only going to see a clean right-hand side of the mouth. doesn't help the left-hand side of the mouth. Um, and then lots of dogs, I mean, pretty much every dog really these days should be getting some regular dental cleanings throughout the course of its life. My dog's 10 years of age. She's had three dentals in her life, and she's probably not too far off being due another one. Um, in this day and age, we have really good uh, dental hygiene techniques that we can use uh, in a veterinary setting, and, and they can be, you know, that's the thing that's going to keep your dog's mouth the healthiest. Thank you for okay. the call, Jeff. We appreciate right. it. Four nine two one six two one six. Robert in Merriweather. Uh, now your dog is chewing all the time, but you don't know why. That's right. Yes, he's what? a twelve-month-old dachshund. Yeah, and what's he chewing? Uh, he loves chewing his bed. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll chew up the mesh on the screen door. Oh yes. <laughs> he okay. hasn't attacked any furniture yet, but okay. he just and he's got a, a ball which is virtually indestructible. He continually chews at chews it that. while he's playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he sounds like he's a he's motivated by um, things in his mouth and that oral sensation that he's getting. So really important that we're offering him lots of different chew things to chew on. Um, dog safe toys. Um, so you've got the ball. You can use things, Kongs and different things. Um, some of yep. the so I don't recommend bones. We've just been discussing that today. Um, there are um, nylabone type products, which are which are sort of like a plastic product that you can get for chewing that actually can help dogs that have a real drive to be chewing and, and they're safe because they can't break off big bits of them so you can um, check in with your local pet shop or some vet hospitals um, stock those sorts of things uh, so they, don't, they don't digest that bone they just chew on it yeah it's it's plastic and um, they only can get like little nubbins of it off at a time so if they swallow right. it it just goes through in the feces but it often yep. um, really relieves that outlet for for that requirement for chewing that that dog has okay sometimes it's Related to sometimes it's actually related to just overall exercise that maybe your dog, um, for his activity level, he's feeling like he needs a bit more exercise, and we certainly can see sometimes as a displacement um, behavior if we've got an anxious dog, he's taking it out on that. Particularly if you're finding he's destroying things like doors and window screens and things like that. So that may be something that you need to have a discussion with uh, um, a veterinarian or, or behaviorist about to see if there's some of those issues going on. But um, I would look okay. into some of the. Um, you know, the, the chewing bones that are safe, that are not real bone, um, that okay. can be really useful. Okay, we have been giving him real bones, but that will stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's been listening to the show, yeah. 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 And, and also, we were just wondering, hoping that he would grow out of it, because he's sort of just coming out of the puppy stage. Yeah. Bit. I think, I mean, chewing is a natural behavior for dogs, and some dogs do it more than others. Um, yep. and, and he probably still will, but, you know, certainly at a young dog, often it's exercise related. If you can get him out doing some other behaviors, um, you know, chasing a ball or, or yep. just going for walks, um, if he's got a good recall, getting him to an off leash park so he's got some, you know, real burn off some energy sort of yeah. stuff, yep. you might find that that helps as well. Because, you know, around that, those young dogs that are, that are adults, but they're, um, they're not sort of settled into adulthood yet, they have a pretty high yep. energy requirement so you may need to just work on that a little bit too okay great okay. Thanks. thanks very thanks. much robert thank you for your help
Thank Have you. Bye. you we appreciate the call. Having a quick look at the weather, it's all thanks to our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, Maitland for new Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen and Isuzu Utes. Now, Dr. Kimberly, we were going to have a look at obesity in our pets. Yeah. So we've almost run out of time. But listen, um, some stats out of 2013 that the AVA, the Australian Veterinary Association, um, put together um, gave us a really horrific sort of picture that 40 to 44 percent of our dogs, 32 percent of our cats are obese. Oh, wow. Um, And and I would say it's probably, certainly with dogs, it probably borders 50 percent in my practice. (laughs) Um, And so it's something that's really, really common. It comes from us you know, having an availability of food for our dogs all the time. In a wild situation, uh, you know, our dogs would have to hunt for their food and they're only going to do that when it's worth their while. So they've got to be hungry enough um, yeah, they've got to get that to motivation. Motivation, yeah. So most wild dogs will only eat every second or third day, and our pet dogs are being fed once, twice a day. And I'm, I'm totally for feeding twice a day. Um, but I constantly have people coming into me saying, "Well, my dog doesn't really eat very much food." And I look at this dog, and he's a 15 kilo dog in a 25 kilo body, and I say, "Well, that's because you've got two dogs." <laughs> um, <laughs> so listen, I just want to make people aware of it because we're not going to have time to go into everything. But be aware of um, obesity in pets. Most people are over feeding their dogs and their cats for what um, the level of energy burning that they're doing. Um, it's something that's definitely worthwhile listening to his uh, to, to your vet about. If they tell you your dog is overweight, um, it's something it's really easy for us to do. We control where our dogs get their food from, where our cats get their food from. It's as simple as cutting it back. And it can make a huge difference to their life and their quality of life. It reduces their risk of arthritis, of diabetes, of cancer. It reduces... Um, you know, their lifespan. If they're overweight, it reduces their lifespan and certainly impacts their quality of life. So it's something that I think is really, really important um, for people to be thinking about. Um, And they actually talk about it as sort of being like the sixth vital sign. You know, we've got um, temperature and and pulse rate and blood pressure and those sorts of things. Um, But body condition is really important and it can affect, it can be life-threatening. If you have a fat little pug who's already struggling to breathe through his tiny little, um, you know, breathing tube of a a trachea that that he's been given, um, and then you've got fat and that fat is surrounding that, it's in the back of his throat, it's making his tongue thicker, it makes it harder for him to breathe. You get a hot day and you try to take your lovely little pug out for a walk he might just keel over dead because he can't get enough oxygen to his brain and it seriously is that severe that obesity can make a a big difference to these guys so kimberly for people driving or at home that are going wow you know i'm in that boat my my pet could lose a few kilos yeah how do we start about doing that so realistically it's all about portion control okay whatever you're feeding your dog if your dog is overweight it's too much Um, and it's almost always going to be too much if you look at what the manufacturers say on the package of the food okay so i always tell people the way to start is first of all take your food that you're feeding your dog measure it out so you can see what it is you're feeding and then cut it back by 25 percent whatever it is i don't care what it is cut it back by 25 percent even if you don't make any changes to the treats no changes that doesn't mean increase the treats but if you make no changes to treats and you just cut their meals back by 20 percent that is going or 25 percent that's going to make a difference to your dog's weight over time so that is a starting that's point that's the starting point and ignore the puppy dog eyes yeah you've absolutely. had enough You've had enough. Yeah. Yep. You have to be cruel to be kind sometimes. And this is one of those times where you really just need to be tough and say, no, this is for your own good, Buster. We're going to 
make you thin. Tough love. Look, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Cheryl Shaw, Dr. Kimberly Earl, thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Just to let you know, the national bird count is now up to 741,066 birds. Oh, wow. Yeah. How cool is that? Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.